Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. I'm joined by our Mississippi State writer, Dalton Middleton. Lots to talk about in the program today. Dalton has the internet back up and running. I know that was an adventure for you yesterday. How you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, exactly what you just said right there. Uh, the internet is, it's been an adventure all weekend. Uh, wake up Friday and it's its uh, not working. Um, it, it gets on about 1130 or, or noon that day and they end up having to get me a new router. I'm not sure what was wrong. Maybe it's just old. Um, then yesterday comes around and, uh, and I think the entire city of Starville had an outage for about six hours though. So it wasn't just me yesterday. Um, and uh, that was fun. You know, I love uh, not having any, I don't have a, um, hotspot on my phone so you know i'm over here driving to mcdonald's to put my stories in the uh in the in the system so i can get those stories in there and i'm just glad it's back it's uh i don't mind it too much when it's out because i can sit here and i read a little bit and hang out and uh play with the cat and stuff but uh it, it's when it's out when it's out for about six hours it's a uh, it's a little different story it always makes you feel good when others are suffering with you though if there's a citywide power outage it just like makes you feel a little bit better that, it, that it's not just you and you know <clears throat> I saw your text yesterday that said hey man everything's uh, back up and running and, and all that and, and uh I was late seeing that text because man th- there was like panic over here at the uh the West Tupelo Bureau of uh of the Daily Journal man because I I lost my phone and uh I, I just I just hate when I lose my phone it's like the internet going out man I mean there's a whole lot of life uh, on that phone and um, a lot of things that don't get done when you don't have it. And it was really strange, Dalton. I don't lose it a lot, and I usually can backtrack it pretty quick and, and remember my steps and, and where I was the last time I used it. And yesterday it was strange, man. I, I hadn't been that many places, and, and I just kept uh, – looking uh, you know, at both cars. I'd been in both cars, been in the truck and the CRV. And, and uh, anyway, I got in the truck and the phone connected. So I knew it was nearby. Uh, the phone connected in the truck and, and we just couldn't find it. Couldn't find it in either vehicle. Got my, got my uh, iPad out and went to the Find My Phone app. And, and it uh, directed me to where it said the phone was and still couldn't find it got AT&T on the phone and, you know, can you help a brother out? And, uh, you know, we were getting close to that. And we're, you know, this is like, a, we're like an hour into this now, very intensive search. And, uh, finally, uh, uh, my wife, Laurie found it, uh, uh, in her car, the CRV found it at a place we'd looked several times, just hadn't looked close enough, but, uh, you know, got all that, uh, had all that drama going on. So anyway, so it's uh, technology is a wonderful thing when it works, man. And, and when it doesn't, it, uh, it can mess you up. Uh, lots to talk about in the program today, folks. And we'd like to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission, for coming along for the ride. OPC is looking for lifeguards for the city pool this summer. The season starts Memorial Day weekend and runs through Labor Day. Candidates must be at least 16 and have a current lifeguard certification. Contact Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at jamie at oxfordparkcommission.com. If you have questions, that's J-A-M-I-E at oxfordparkcommission.com. 
oxfordms.com. Or if you don't have questions, just apply online at oxfordms.net. Uh, Baylor is your March Madness champion, national champion, dealing Gonzaga, its first loss of the season, 86 to 70 in the championship game. Dalton, I'm not, I'm not usually awake at the end of the championship games when they start at, at 8.20. So uh, did you uh, did you watch much of it last night? I didn't watch too much of last night's game. Um, I watched a little bit, and then it kind of got out of hand. I think Baylor took about a 20-point lead. And that's when I was just like, eh, you know, probably not going to watch too much more of this. They, I think Gonzaga cut it to about 10 or so. But uh, once it got to about double digits, at around 16, 19 points. That's when I was just uh, – I was about done with it. And uh, – that's that's awesome for Baylor to win that, but uh, I kind of feel bad for for the Baylor and the, the aspect that um, I think ten years from now people are going to think uh, you know people, Baylor fans are going to remember this of course forever. But when you think about the the first tournament post COVID, I don't think people are going to think about Baylor being the national champions. I think they're going to think about the Gonzaga and UCLA game ending in the Final Four, um, and because just how great of a game that was and, and how the ending was and everything. And I kind of hate it for Baylor because that wasn't even then when the national championship really isn't that memorable of a moment compared to how some of these games played out and some of the runs that happened and everything. Well, and you know, I thought about that as well. And it could be that next year there's so much excitement, uh, assuming that it plays out this way with, with getting fans back and March madness back at the, at traditional sites, regional sites and, and the whole proceed through the different venues uh, and to a Final Four site, uh, you know, it, it may be that uh, that this championship isn't remembered as much. And certainly that uh, Gonzaga-UCLA game in the semis was a classic. And uh, I know part of the commentary last night was uh, that, hey, uh, that, that might have taken too much out of uh, Gonzaga. What I thought about last night was Baylor's defense took a lot – out of Gonzaga. Baylor played defense in the semis. You know, they played defense against Houston as well in that old Southwest Conference matchup there in uh, the first Final Four on, on Saturday. And I looked at that, and I started to uh, send a text to my my uh, Texas in-laws, the Baylor graduates, and say, uh, congratulations, but next up for the Bears, it's, it's not Rice. <laughs> you know, it's not, not going to be another Southwest <laughs> Conference matchup. Um Gonzaga just rolled through, ripped through everybody in the tournament uh, that they saw. Dalton, the five seed, six seed, uh, you know, uh, an eight seed. They just ran through people until UCLA. And I thought that UCLA game maybe gave Baylor up. Not that Baylor lacked confidence, but, that, you know, you know they saw that and thought, hmm, that's that's first time these boys hadn't just uh, – just blown away uh, the competition. But, you know, Baylor wasn't a slouch. They were a one seed. So I guess uh, we should be uh, thankful that that Baylor was able to stay in the tournament. You know, they are affiliated with the Texas Baptists, and you had that group that wanted to uh, run Oral Roberts out of the tournament, uh, you know, for their beliefs and their convictions. So I, I guess it's a good thing that Baylor got to stay in the tournament and, and uh, play for the championship. Well, Roberts is one of the best storylines of the entire year, I feel like. Uh with the tournament run they had. You don't see – it's hard to see Cinderella's that much anymore. You know, these uh, – the, the, the good teams are really good. And oftentimes these days the the high seeds, uh, they make it a long way in the tournament. And I didn't see a whole lot of Gonzaga 
during the regular season. I don't know if you did or not. Do you watch much college basketball when you're not covering? Uh, I watch a little bit. I don't watch much Gonzaga. The, I mean, uh, it's one of those teams that's kind of out there that I think uh, they play in the usually the later games, I believe, of the night. And it's just uh, by the time I usually – if I'm covering a game on a, on a Tuesday, Saturday, Monday, you know, either women's or men's, about by the time I get back to the house, I'm uh, – I'm usually about checked out as I can be uh, from watching sports that day. I usually sit down and, uh, you know, watch some Netflix or something, you know, just grab a glass of tea and just lay down and, and, and be done for the night. I don't usually sit up and watch three or four more games. <laughs> well, and that's kind of uh, kind of the way I am. If I'm, if I'm not covering and I get home, I, you know, I may have on, a, I may have a game on in the background. It's like uh, ambient noise or, or something like that um or i may just uh be several pages into a, a spy novel uh not usually paying a lot of attention that said uh, i saw gonzaga paid closer attention during uh, the ncaa tournament and i thought you know they were really good i thought they were fundamental and they they passed and they drove and they had good spacing and, and they you know it was not hard to see uh, why they were undefeated i wonder dalton if uh uh, the, the old guys uh, from the 1976 uh, Indiana team, if they drink champagne when somebody loses their uh, – when they get their first loss, the way the, the Miami Dolphins guys did, you know, for years. Um, I, don't, I don't know if uh, if they do or not. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure they do, or they at least get a laugh out of it. I saw a tweet last night that uh, before I went to sleep, and it said something along the lines of uh, – the last four undefeated teams in the tournament all lost in Indianapolis. It was, uh, you know, last night, I think the 2015 Kentucky team, I'm trying to think of who the other ones were, but all of them either lost in the championship or in like the semifinals all in Indianapolis. And it was funny. Just, it just made me laugh. Think about how Indiana was uh, the last undefeated team and all these other teams are losing in Indiana. So we got, got a, got a curse thing going on there. I just thought Baylor played really good defense and, and mentioned that this morning at the gym, uh, you know, before I turned on to, to rewatch the highlights, I mentioned to somebody that, uh, you know, I thought Baylor played really good defense. And, and, and the comment was uh, sometimes that, that defense turns into offense and it, and it does, it does in basketball. And it made me think, well, you know, and, and, and you can create offense with your defense in most sports, but you really can't, uh, in baseball, in baseball, you, you make a good defensive play and, and they make you run off the field and start over. Yeah. And, um, yes, uh, in state seeing a little bit of that in baseball right now, for sure. Um, yeah. and how the defense doesn't translate to offense. Cause you got a couple of guys in the state's lineup that are, uh, some defensive players and, uh, they aren't, they aren't making the same plays that they, they should be making on offense. You know, a couple of guys that are struggling at the plate, but are, uh, doing their job on defense and not really translating to the other side. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different sport. Uh, it's going to be a different sport for Ole Miss probably this weekend to have to adjust, probably, uh, without Tim Elko, one of their top hitters, uh, the uh, SEC leader in RBIs, fifth nationally. He was hurt yesterday, Dalton, against North Alabama. Just a uh, collision with a uh, first baseman, fourth inning. And uh, we'll find out more later today, I would imagine. Uh, there was no immediate uh, – word on Elko's uh, status, but he was in pain and he was on crutches uh, at the end of the game. So that's, that is a big, big loss uh, for Ole Miss. 
if he's not available. And uh, and we'll see. Big series uh, for the Rebels coming up this weekend in Oxford against uh, Arkansas. It's uh, the second two-versus-three matchup, Dalton, for Arkansas in the state of Mississippi uh, in just a few weeks. You know, it was a two-three matchup uh, when they played in Starkville a couple of weeks ago and a two-three uh, again this weekend for Ole Miss. Who does, who does State have this weekend? Uh, State is playing at Auburn. So uh, Auburn seemed like they're playing a little better last weekend against Arkansas. So uh, State may be running into Auburn at the time that Auburn's trying to figure things out or actually starting to figure things out. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, I, I was sitting there the other day saying, you know, after State got swept by Arkansas, and I don't know if Arkansas just wanted to play, play a little harder, but the, the Arkansas that I saw in Starville has not been the same Arkansas that I've seen in the other two series they've played because that team looked like an MLB team playing in Starville and, uh, you know, hitting nine home runs. They're making every single defensive play possible. They're making diving catches. Um, you know, they're, all their pitchers are throwing gems, and then they go play Auburn and play Alabama. It just seems like that is not the same uh, Arkansas team that played in Starville. But – um. Yeah, so State's going to – What I sorry, what I said was uh, when, when State got swept, I said they needed to win five out of the next six before Ole Miss comes to Starkville if they want to have a chance to compete for the SEC crown. Because uh, whenever Arkansas left, State was two and four, played Kentucky, swept Kentucky, then they had you know, at Auburn. Then you get Ole Miss and Vanderbilt back-to-back weekends. And so you, they need to be sitting at, you know – probably eight and four, at least seven and five by the time Ole Miss and you play Ole Miss and Vanderbilt because that's very easily probably four losses, three losses at least. You know, I would think you lose a series to Vandy, and I think the Ole Miss series either one, two or two, one, whichever way, you know, it goes. Um, And it, that's going to be rough if they're, you know, six and six and all of a sudden you got to lose four more games or something in those two series. So um, they did their job last weekend, so they did, and – now they just got to, you know, have a good showing at Auburn, you know, win the series and they're sitting in good hands, sweep the series and they're sitting really pretty because uh, whoever uh, comes out of Arkansas and Ole Miss this weekend, they'll have the same record. If, if State wins the series, we'll probably have about the same record as the Arkansas Ole Miss loser. So, Well, I visited last week, Dalton, with uh, Glenn Gilbo, who covers LSU. Uh, for Gannett newspapers in Louisiana. You remember uh, uh, the Will Wade story. It's a couple of years old now, but Will Wade and the wiretaps and, and uh, the, the uh, uh, FBI investigation into college basketball. And when uh, Will Wade uh, got, uh, was, was found out to be on one of those wiretaps and it made its way into a Yahoo story. I mean, you, your initial thought is, man, uh, he, he's fixing to go down. Well, that was, that was two years ago and, and two NCAA tournaments ago. One of them, uh, the Tigers made the Sweet 16. Now, he was suspended at that time, and, and LSU was uh, coached by assistant coach uh, Tony Benford. Uh, Wade uh, regained his job, uh, signed a new contract, and uh, he coached LSU. They got to the NCAA tournament this year, beat St. Bonaventure, gave Michigan a game in the second round, and, and lost there. But I wanted to catch up with uh, with Glenn about the investigation and uh, where all that stands. I saw when LSU was in Indianapolis that uh, he was writing uh, about that investigation. So 
Uh, I'm going to play this clip, uh, this interview with uh, Glenn Gilbo, and then we'll come back and, and talk a little bit more. I'm joined now by Glenn Gilbo, who covers LSU for the Gannett newspapers in Louisiana. Glenn, how you doing, man? Good. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thank you for being with us. I was uh, I was reading as we were talking uh, off camera. I was I was reading your stuff last week when the Tigers were in Indianapolis uh, for the NCAA tournament, and uh, you wrote about uh, the the basketball investigation and. Look, there, there's so much stuff on the LSU shock docket right now that you almost don't know where to begin. But uh, let's talk about basketball a, a little bit. Where are they with that uh, NCAA investigation? I believe they've received the notice, right? Uh, it, it, there is an ongoing investigation. You know, they actually haven't received that notice, but there is an investigation. That's just a formality. But, you know, the NCAA has been really – inefficient and slow toward and other schools uh they they need to get with it uh you know i understand you know they were delayed by covid and so forth but as much money as they bring in they need to uh increase their staff there to answer your question um lsu is just waiting uh for the ncaa the last thing to happen was last august the ncaa put lsu's case in their special forces division, if you will, that's for serious cases. Okay. Uh, and that was in August. And, you know, well before that, two years ago, LSU really got prepared for the worst because they changed Will Wade's contract to say, if you're investigated, even if that's investigated, not found guilty or uh, of charges, but just investigated for level one, level two, LSU can fire Will Wade with cause, not have to pay him anything. And Will Wade signed that. So, so it's like they both know what's coming. Uh, do you think that, uh, that LSU would make, uh, would choose that path quickly? Would they fire Will Wade quickly or would they try to support him in some way? Um, I, I, I think, um, you know, I think they're going to wait for the NCAA to complete its findings and then see what happens. Uh, with that. Um, now, possibly they may get a break in sanctions by fire and will Wade, So that's a possibility. Um, but, uh, and in the meantime, they're just enjoying the success Wade's bringing, you know, it's like, there's just a huge asterisk over the program is the way I see it. Um, if you're on an FBI wiretap, uh, as he was, that, that seems pretty cut and dried. I mean, do, do you think that uh, would uh, would Will Wade admit to that, or does he dispute that in some way? I know there's no uh, good comment. There's no there's no way to dispute it. I mean, he's yeah. he's tape, and and we've seen the tapes. And if you saw the H the Showtime documentary, it was it was very uh, chilling almost. There's no way he or LSU you know when the NCAA gets gets around to it. Um, I, I believe. Um, and, you know, he uh, not only does he talk about Javante Smart on tape, he also refers to previous players he he recruited questionably. You know, so he's his own worst enemy. I would say in NCAA history, there's nobody on tape quite like Will Wade. <laughs> uh, look, is, is football part of this investigation? Football separate, but, you know, Often when the NCAA is looking at serious allegations, they look at the whole school. So I think it's kind of hard to, to keep them separate, though 
you know, much like in the legal process, though, you know, there can be an, an equivalent to plea bargaining in this. And, and LSU has made it clear that, hey, do what you want with the basketball program, but, you know, leave us alone in football. That, that's kind of what they want. Um, the whole Lady of the Lake thing, I was, uh, you know, I've had so many, so many family members uh, at the hospital there through the years, all those sweet nurses. I, I was I was shocked by that. And, and there just seems to be, one thing after another, a lot coming out with LSU right now. I, I was reading last week about uh, the board's involvement in the firing of Joe Oliva and, and that transition. Uh, the allegations last week about uh, the sexual comments or advances from Darius Geis, the former running back, uh, toward a, a security worker. Uh, if you know, LSU may want uh, the NCAA to uh, – leave football alone, but is, is that practical? Is, is that realistic? Well, there's no question. I, I think it's forced LSU history off, off the field and, and outside the arena. The, uh, the, the Our Lady of the Lake hospital thing is, is disgusting, you know, using uh, profits from, from sick people. Uh, the only defense LSU has there is that it was a long time ago, whereas the basketball is, is much more recent. But those are serious violations there with, with the football program. Most of the other ones with football are, are more minor, but uh, not, not, and, and, you know, far from, from basketball, but uh, the, the sexual allegations uh, case is outside the NCAA. You know, that's more uh, board of education, title nine, you know, there could be a federal lawsuit LSU systemically for years. It's, it's just a mess. And the worst thing is all they did was suspend two people for a, a few weeks. You know, it's embarrassing the lack of action the school has taken since the Hush Blackwell report. Uh, it sounds like with that, that there's still a, a good deal of support uh, for Ed Ogeron from the administration. Is, is that correct? Well, uh, possibly. Um, but with this revelation, uh, from this woman at the Superdome that you mentioned. And that was, that was really, that was a revelation by Hush Blackwell to begin with. That wasn't, that was not uncovered by any uh, reporters that was in the Hush Blackwell case. Um, and that is potentially uh, damaging to coach Orgeron because he could be brought in uh, and questioned again by uh, LSU officials on that. And uh, you know, I, I wrote that coach Orgeron should have been, because the thing with Coach O, even if he doesn't know of what happened, he should have known. You know, he should have been more aware of, of what was going on. And he didn't have Geis as a player for as long as Les did, but he still had him you know, for, a, for, a full, uh, two, uh, for a full season as head coach and, and one as interim. Um, uh, but, and, and, and he eventually did kick Drake Davis off the team, but probably should have done that uh, earlier. Uh, but campus-wide, LSU failed in so many ways. It's ridiculous. Uh, on the field, what does uh, football look like next year? Uh, I, you know, it looked like they had several quarterbacks they played this last year. Uh, where are they at that position? Well, they returned, they returned most of their team. Uh, they only lost a couple of starters from a team that finished strong, 5-5, five and five, but they still finished strong with the win at, at Florida. Um, I think they should be pretty good. I think they'll be back in the SEC contention. That they're not a national championship team, I, I don't think. But they should be back in that 9, 10 
win range. And I think you're going to see Max Johnson as the quarterback. Uh, he, he looks pretty good in that Florida game, and, and I, I think he's going to be the quarterback for some time. Yeah, I thought he did look good, Glenn. He looked like a guy who uh, – uh, sometimes this is a knock on people. It's not intended to be, but he managed the game well. He may emerge as a playmaker, but he didn't seem that he made mistakes very often. Well, I think he is a playmaker. He's the best running runner of the three quarterbacks, and he, uh, you know, he throws a nice deep ball a game manager, I, I don't see. Um, I, th- I think he could be a solid quarterback. That was Glenn Gilbo. He covers LSU for Gannett newspapers uh, in Louisiana. Dalton, um, when you saw that headline and you, you heard uh, that Will Wade had been uh, caught on uh, an FBI wiretap talking about uh, making an offer to a recruit, uh, turned out to be Baton Rouge kid uh, Javante Smart, um, a top 50 player, but you, you read that story, you heard that, uh, it seems pretty cut and dry, man. What, what did you think, uh, when, when you heard that, uh, that story? Yeah, I kind of had the same thoughts of, uh, and Glenn kind of mentioned this. Um, it was one of the more obvious cases of getting caught. I felt like, and, uh, you know, it, it's right there. And what I thought was, you know, LSU going down, you know, this is going to be serious. And then, um, the NCAA has just kind of uh, twiddled their thumbs, I feel like, uh, in, in getting out of punishment because, you know, it, two years ago or whenever it was when LSU made it to the Sweet 16, you know, you're thinking, okay, the coach is suspended, you know, don't punish the kids, I guess, you know. Um, but then all of a sudden this year, LSU is right back in the tournament. And uh, with Will Wade, you know, coaching, and it just doesn't seem right to me. Um, because he got caught, you know, it, it's right there. It's clear as day, you know, he got caught um, and the NCAA is not doing anything about it. And it just, you know, you make these jokes all the time, especially people in Mississippi make these jokes all the time um, that if it was Ole Miss, it was a different story, you know, because Ole Miss is a kind of got slapped around by the NCAA for, you know, stuff that just seems kind of mi- minor compared to some of these things. And, it just, it just kind of seems like the NCAA is either taking its time or just kind of protecting, a, you know, one of, its, one of its bigger schools in LSU, big brother LSU over there, because uh, there's also some other things come out about around LSU that you mentioned in the, um, in the interview with Glenn that uh, just seemed like that they should be in a lot more trouble than what they're currently in right now. Well, and as, as Glenn mentioned, some of those aren't direct – NCAA violations, although you would think, uh, you know, that, <laughs> that they would, uh, if they weren't written uh, in the NCAA code of conduct, uh, they, they probably just didn't think to write them there. Like, uh, you probably shouldn't uh, uh, go up to a security guard and make uh, lewd comments and, and uh, sexual advances, and that's uh, an allegation against Darius guys right now. Be that as it may, that's something totally different. Uh, there's a lot going on at LSU right now. You mentioned that Will Wade's still coaching and Javante Smart's still playing. He averaged 16 points a game this year. And I know that Glenn mentioned, uh, yeah, the NCAA does seem to be dragging its feet on this. It does seem to be an investigation that's moving slowly, uh, a glacial pace. As as he said, uh, no real uh, uh, reportable action on this since last August when it became known that the NCAA had moved this to uh, basically its SWAT team. You know, it's like uh, its special division for the cases it considers to be uh, 
uh, extremely serious. Well, that that's notable, uh, but nothing since then. We're more than two years past all this coming to light now. All this uh, came out in early March of uh, 2019. But uh, as I mentioned to Glenn there, I'm thinking, why does it take this long? Why, why does uh, adjudicating this take so long um, when it seems cut and dry? I mean, you got a guy on tape uh, who's, who talks about making a strong offer with an expletive in there. And, you know, the players say, tape don't lie. <laughs> well, you know, this, this is the tape. And it, it, it seems cut and dry. And I'm thinking, how, if you're Will Wade, what's your defense here? You know, how, how do you uh, defend yourself against this? And, you know, does he say, well, uh, you didn't hear enough of the tape. There was more conversation there. There's, there's context that you're not getting. Um, you know, does he say that the tape uh, should be inadmissible for some reason? It shouldn't be considered. I'm grasping at straws here, trying to uh, trying to figure out why this could be moving so slowly. I know Glenn mentioned uh, the pandemic and uh, it slows down everything and the NCAA maybe doesn't have enough staff, but it seems pretty cut and dry. You know, I mean, you got a guy making that kind of claim on tape. It seems, Dalton, that it wouldn't take an army of staff to uh, to pursue that case. And uh, anyway, uh, it just uh, seems like it could be moving a little quicker than it is. And, you know, the other thing, Dalton, these things, uh, the work goes on behind the scenes. Uh, it's It's hard to get information out of the NCAA under the best of circumstances. So you're certainly not going to get any play-by-play on uh, on an investigation, but we can look back and see this thing is like more than two years old now. Yeah, and it, honestly, you know, I know every instance is different, but uh, it kind of makes me think about the Memphis thing from about two years ago, last year maybe, um, with James Wiseman, um, where I, I may have my details wrong, where I think uh, Penny Haraway like, helped him move a few years back or like almost probably a decade back and the NCAA like suspended him and said, you can't play until what he like paid it back or something or, or some, something wild kind of like that. So he, you know, opts out or whatever and uh, declares for the draft. But then you got LSU over here who, you know, accepted money or whatever you want to say, whatever happened. And then uh, they're over here just still playing and, chugging along, make an NCAA tournament, you know, keeping, you know, somebody else out of the NCAA tournament that if this year proved anything that they could have made a run, you know, because it seemed like every other team was making a run. And LSU may have stopped one of those final teams, may have stopped Ole Miss from making a run in the tournament. Who knows? You know, one of those teams that barely didn't make a cut. Uh, and as, as Glenn points out, uh, Wade on the tape also references uh, other players that he recruited with questionable tactics. Uh, there was just one uh, that, that he admits to making the, the offer to. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I know that uh, that Mississippi people in general, Ole Miss uh, folks in particular, look at this and see a double standard, and, it, and it's hard not to. Um, I, I do think there are some other factors that come into play here. And, you know, when you mentioned COVID-19 and, Yes, things move a little slower and, and all that. But uh, 
again, it's uh, it's hard to see why a case that uh, appears cut and dried, uh, you know, it isn't moving along uh, any fa any faster than this. As Glenn mentioned, they they still have not received uh, an official notice of, of allegations, you know, which is kind of a, a formality, you, you know. But uh, that's you would think they would be at least to uh, to to that point in the process, and uh, they have not been. Had a good team this year, though. Won some games. Uh, very athletic. Gave Michigan all they wanted there uh, in the second round, and in, in that. Uh, you know, that eight, nine matchup, you always, the winner gets the number one seed. You always think that's, that's a tall order, but LSU played, uh, played well against Michigan, had a chance and uh, you know, obviously uh, beat St. Bonaventure and even when all this was hanging over their head in 2019, it was fresh and new and, and Will Wade was suspended. That team made the sweet 16 with an assistant coach. So it's a, uh, it's different and, and uh, LSU keeps uh, uh, plodding along. So anyway, lots going on there. Uh, in Baton Rouge right now. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Be sure to check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. You can find us on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State Discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. Folks, thanks for being with us. Come back and join us tomorrow.